Good morning. I just, do you mind if I share that story, Paul? I don't know, I might need a bit of help. I just felt to share a story with you about Paul's granddad, um, who, who fought in, you may have heard it before, some of you, so I do apologise if you have. He fought in the Second World War. Was he in a tank regiment, Paul? Um, and he would write home to Paul's nan. Um, was your dad born at that time? No, they hadn't got Paul's dad at that time. And um, there was one particular night where Paul's nan, Elsie, really felt impressed to pray. Um, and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed for him, thinking something's not right, I need to pray. And she, did she have a dream? She had a dream and she... Do you want to come tell a story? <laughs> Paul, come and help me. Come and tell the story, so, so my nan had a dream that my granddad was over one side of the road and um, she woke up quite scared and she was shouting to him but he couldn't get over to the side of the road so she, she, woke, she woke up really worried and concerned. So, so my nan just, just didn't know what to do apart from pray all night so she stayed, she, she was obviously a believer so she prayed and prayed all night really concerned for my granddad and then didn't hear anything off my granddad and um, even when he came back from the war never said anything. And then what happened once, he was at a men's prayer meeting, and he felt, I need to get up and share about the power of prayer. And um, he got up this one night, this one evening with the blokes, and he said, um, I want to share about the power of prayer and the power of a praying wife. He says, because I was in the 8th Army, I was a desert rat, and I was, we, were, uh, we got a convoy, and we were going through um, difficult territory, and we got bombed. And uh, all, the, all the regiment was sitting on their tanks, who were kind of like resting, and they, and they got bombed, they got hit, and uh, all of them were destroyed. But as, the, as, as one of the planes came across, my granddad jumped into the tank, and uh, he trapped his finger and cut some of his finger off, but he managed to jump in and got hit by... by the, the, all of them got wiped out, apart from my granddad. So, but what happened was, the following night, the Germans came along to check out all of the... you know, the, seeing if they were dead. And my granddad saw them coming... So my granddad jumped into the tank, grabbed one of his mates, put one of his mates over the top of him in the tank. Now, this was the night that my nan was praying for my granddad. <laughs> right? This is the night my granddad. And he, and he got up in the men's prayer meeting and shared this story and said, I only understand the power of prayer. He said, I was the only one out of 80 men in that regiment that survived. And he said, I never told my wife why she was praying for me but that was the exact day and night that I was terrified in that tank and I thought my life you know and you know some of them some of them actually was still partly alive and he was trying to help them he actually heard them being bayoneted and that's the story he didn't want to tell my nan that was that's how horrific it was but my granddad you know got up to share to their men because of the power of prayer you know my dad wouldn't have been born and I wouldn't be here today I believe if my nan had to pray that night okay so that's the story. I don't know if I've said too much, but there you go. Thank you. And the reason I wanted to share that story was because on, on that night, he, lo- he lost part of his finger. But his life had more importance to him than that bit of finger. And this morning, I want to ask you the question, and I want you to consider, what are you worth Harry was worth something to Elsie because she prayed. Not that those other men had any less worth than he had, but she prayed for him. And she prayed, and it was that particular night that she prayed. 
But his, his life in itself was so much worth so much more that he was willing to, whatever it took to get himself hidden, he was willing to do that. He was willing to lose that end of the finger as he shut the tank hatch because his life was worth so much more. What are you worth today? Do you know what you're worth? Do you? Do you know what you're worth to God? Do you know that if you were the only person on this earth, he would have sent Jesus anyway? And it's so easy to say, oh yeah, I know that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so there'd be forgiveness of sins, so that we can have resurrection life in him and have eternal life and go to heaven. But do you realize that if it was just you, he would have still done it? Do you realize the extent of the worth that you are? Not the person next to you, not the people who you look up to, not the people who you look at and think, I wish I could be so much better like they are. Just look at how I am and what I do with my life. Do you realize how much you are worth? Do you realize what you're worth to God? And ultimately, do you realize what you are worth to yourself? Do you accept and love yourself for the worth that you are? These are deep, deep questions. The questions that I've battled and struggled with in my private, in my personal life, when I was younger, when I had um, bulimia and when I used to self-harm and when I had depression. And I battled with these things, not thinking I was worth anything until God revealed to me how much he loved me and has helped me. And I'm still on that journey, but on that journey of realizing that actually I'm worth something to myself. I, I, I can, I, at one point I couldn't look in the mirror and say I like myself because I thought it was horrible. I didn't like myself at all. But God's taken me on a journey and it's been a journey where I can look in the mirror and say, I have worth. I'm worth something to me. I'm worth something to others. But most importantly and fundamentally, I'm worth something to God. And this morning I want to talk to you about the fact, and it comes twofold, it comes twofold in that you may be lost and not know God. You may not know the worth you are to him. And he wants you to be found in him. He wants you to begin on that journey with him. God wants you to be found in him, in his family. But it comes in another way as well. And you may be lost and need to be found because you're lost just in your life. You're lost in your difficulties. You're lost in, in your relationships. You're lost in how you see yourself. And this morning, God wants to say to you, you have worth. Accept that in yourself and let's go on a journey of being found in him. God wants you to be found. And God wants you to know the worth and the value that there is in your life today. You know, and it can be so hard to almost understand what we're worth. You know, are we worth what we've got in the bank? Are we worth the clothes that we're wearing? That other people look at us and say, yeah, they're looking pretty good. Are we worth the looks that we get from other people of approval or not, which make us feel unworthy? Are we worth the friendships that we have or maybe that we don't have? So again, we feel like we have no worth. Are we worth the connections that we make? Are we worth because those people, other people love us? Or are we unworthy because people don't love us and we don't wear the right clothes and we don't have the right job and the bank balance isn't black, it's red? Where do you find your worth? 
Because if you're finding them in those places, and all of those places need to be healthy places, yes. In your relationships, in your finances, in how you see yourself. But that's not where worth is found. Worth is found in knowing that you are loved and accepting yourself. And if you can't accept yourself and you don't accept the love God has got for you, then this morning, God doesn't want to condemn you or say, come on, sort yourself out. But God wants to say, come on, come and let me find you. Come back on a journey with me. Come and be found and let me celebrate over you. And last week, Ben talked about the parable of the lost sheep. And if you didn't listen to it, can I encourage you to go and listen online? We weren't here, and I listened online this week, and it's a great message. But this week, I'm going to talk about the parable of the lost coin. So I'm going to start just before the parable of the lost sheep with what Jesus says, um, what's going on at the time, and then I'm going to skip to the actual parable of the lost coin. So Luke 15, verse 1. In the NIV says this, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And it was out of this then that Jesus told three parables. And they're all about things that are lost. And you know, so often we can look at the religious people of the time and the Pharisees and just say Jesus was just having a go at them all the time but actually their belief system and their theology was very much the same as how Jesus was outworking his life so their actual theology as Pharisees and what they believed in loving and looking after people and welcoming people home and forgiveness it was no different from what Jesus was preaching what they didn't actually like was that actually what we believe he's doing and it probably shamed them and made them realize that they weren't so it wasn't actually that they were wrong or bad people in their belief systems there just came a challenge that was too great for them to actually am I going to outwork my beliefs so this morning I want to ask you if you believe in Jesus and if you don't that's fine we can help you go on that journey But if you believe in Jesus, are you ready and willing today to outwork your beliefs and understand that you are worth, you are worth God sending his son to die on the cross? Because unless you're willing to go on that journey, you will struggle to break through in the things that hold you down and break you back. So let's read the second of the parables then. So Luke 15 verses 8 to 10, and I'm reading from the Good News Bible. So we've just had the parable of the lost sheep, and then Jesus goes on to the second story, and he says, Or suppose a woman who has ten silver coins loses one of them. And what does she do? She lights a lamp, sweeps her house, and looks carefully everywhere until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says to them, I am so happy I found the coin I lost. Let us celebrate. In the same way, I tell you, the angels of God rejoice over one sinner who repents. And, you know, we can all empathize with losing things. Has anyone ever lost anything? You ever lost anything? Lost some money? Lost a child in a supermarket? Just me then. Lost your work on a computer? My whole dissertation? 
Fortunately, my brother-in-law was a lot better at computers than me. It was fine, don't panic. Do you ever sat and listened to somebody, maybe in church, maybe when you were at school, maybe in a lesson, maybe in a lecture, and just thought, I'm lost. And you're just like, what? I've gone. (laughs) And that glazed look just comes. And all those teachers in here think, yes, I know that look when children have it. You lost your passport. Lost some tickets. We can we can all we can all we can all emphasize with this woman. She lost something that was precious to her. In in the panic that sets in, dependence depends how much it's worth, but the panic that sets in. Where is it? And I've got four things I want to say to you this morning. And the first one I've hinted on already is finding worth. And you know, the silver coin that she lost, it obviously got value. It was a coin. And it it says that it was probably about a day's wage. So if we look at the equivalent to today, then depending on how much you earn on a minimum wage front it could possibly be about 50 to 80 pound if you earn a lot more it could be a lot more than that but that's a lot of money if you lost a coin that was worth 50 quid you're going to be looking for it aren't you you can understand why she went and looked for it but you know also there's the possibility and it doesn't say that this is the case but there's the possibility that it was also something of serious much more value than that it was an ancient custom that in those times ladies would wear 10 coins and and it was almost like a dowry that they'd been given and it was protected by society these coins were so say that they got into some debt within the household the debtor couldn't take these coins because those coins were there they'd been given as a dowry and if her husband passed away then they were hers to look after her at that time And the whole of society knew that and they would protect these coins. Now, there's nothing to say that that's what these coins were, but it could have been. And if it was, it suggests the value and the worth, that it wasn't just an initial value of I've lost that much money, but it was a significant value and a protection that she had over her life. And, you know, there's a protection that comes over your life when you say, I'm a child of God. Because suddenly you sit under the wings of the Father, who says, this is my child, I will protect you, I will provide for you, I will look after you. Nothing can touch you. And when we choose to sit under, under the wings of the Father, the value and worth and the trust that we then have and the peace that comes from it, because we know everything is provided for, everything we need, that is some worth. That is something to be had. I don't know about you, but I want to have that assurance in my life. That old hymn that says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed assurance. Can we be assured that we are loved? Can we be assured that we're protected by him? Can we be assured that he will provide for and protect us? And this woman lost that. And you may have lost that this morning. You may never have found that this morning. But this morning, God wants to take you on a journey of finding that worth in him again. So we can understand that these had some worth. And, you know, God wants us to understand that there's something greater than just something else. 
the greater thing is to have worth in ourselves. Mark 12 verse 31 says this. And it's when Jesus is sharing what, what he believes are the greatest commandments. And it says the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus himself is trying to tell us that, yes, love your neighbor, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. So first, love yourself. First, find worth in yourself. First, understand that you are loved in yourself. And God wants to take, you know, you may think, I know that I'm loved. I know God loves me. Well, do you know what? This morning, God wants to give you fresh and new revelation of the extent of his love because it is so wide and so deep and so high. That's another song as well, if you went to... Sunday school, that you can never understand it all. Even when you think you know it all, you actually, you don't know it all because there's something more. Because God is so much bigger than we've ever known before and so much bigger than we could ever fully comprehend or understand. So this morning, God wants you to know that he loves you, that you have worth in him, that there is something more. How passionate are you about yourself? That's a question, isn't it? I'm passionate about chocolate. You know, I'm passionate about Paul and the girls and the dog. I'm, I'm passionate about Bon Jovi and listening to that, although I try and hide it, but I am. Do apologize. Did someone say amen? Yes, come on, bed. We'll live on a prayer together. <laughs> you know, what are you passionate about yourself, though? You know, you may be passionate about cross-stitch or sport or running or, I don't know, something. But are you passionate about yourself? Because God wants you to be. God, it says in the Bible, and if you came to refresh... No, I don't want you to do it again, because it, it nearly gave me vertigo... There's a, there's a scripture that talks about that God in the... Will you be, will you be quiet? <laughs> it's in Zephaniah. Come and find I put it on Facebook the other day, actually. So if you want it, have a little look on there. Um, and it's in Zephaniah. And it says, God, when he looks at us, just gets so excited that he jumps up in the air and he does a spin and he does a big whoop as well. Sit down, Paul. <laughs> if you came to refresh... That was in like 5D as Paul preached it. But God is passionate about you. And God wants you to be passionate about you. Are you passionate about you? So God wants us to have a passion for, about ourselves, but it doesn't stop there. And if it does, it gets unhealthy and... Just all about, it's all about me. But God wants us to have a passion for those who don't know him. God wants us to have a passion for those who are in difficulty. God wants us to have a passion for those people that we don't like. God wants us to have a passion for that person at work who we'd rather slap than love. But God wants us to have a passion for them and calls us to love them and encourage them and be kind to them. And what is your heart like for those who are lost? 
How passionate are you about going and seeking the lost? Going and seeking those who don't know him. And that doesn't mean that you have to put your coat on and say, right, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to find as many people who don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior as I can. And I'm going to tell them that Jesus loves them. God's calling you to your workplace. God's calling you to your street. Love and encourage and be kind to those who don't know him so that they stop being lost and are suddenly found and in him. Invite them to church. Invite them to this movie night. Invite them along. Invite them to the things that we're going to have going on at Christmas time. Get a passion for those who don't know him. Don't separate your worlds out. Well, this is, this is family. This is church. This is work. And they all sit in those boxes. No, they all sit in the box of you. And if you don't want to be a box, don't be one. Well, we need to grow and develop a passion for others. During the summer, Grace had one of her friends round to play. Um, if they still play at her age, I don't know what they do. Ring each other on the phone when they're still in the same room as each other. I don't get it. But I'm just old, so there you go. But at one point, she was like, can we go out on the bikes? And I was like, oh. So the bikes are in the shed and then they've got like a chain round them and they're all locked up and then they're behind the gate. And I was just like, I can do it myself. I'll do it. I was like, okay, do it yourself. Make sure you shut the back door and shut the gate because that's where the dog gets out. Yes, I will. Mm -mm. So at this point, Olivia was like feeling quite sorry for herself because Grace had got a friend round and she hadn't. So I'm just like, I feel bad then. So I'm like, let's bake. Let's bake. Let's just bake. So we're baking. Grace is, and I've said to Grace about five times, make sure you shut the back door. Grace, make sure you shut the back door. Yes, I will shut the back door. Grace, make sure you shut the back door. And then just shut the gates as well, just as a precautionary. And then all of a sudden we're baking and doing, and I just thought, something's missing. Where's the dog? So I just had a little look to check that the door was shut. Oh, dear, no. So then I looked to see if the gate was shut that went out onto the road, and oh dear, no. So the door and the gate were open, and at this point, panic arose. Those of you who know me know that I love my dog more than my life for some strange reason that I don't understand because I've always not really liked dogs until we had this one, so I don't quite know what's happened to me, but I just, I love my dog. And, and so I was like, Peppa, Peppa. It's like, Olivia, run upstairs, get upstairs, there's a dog upstairs. And we're running around the house like this, Olivia's running upstairs, I'm checking out, and I'm like, Papa! And, I'm, and then part of me thinks, the cake is in the oven. I could burn the house down if I leave the house and go and look for this dog. And I just thought, never mind, it'll be fine. I'll, I'm sure I'll find her quickly. Olivia comes running back down and says, she's not upstairs. Now, Olivia just, if, if I'm panicking, she's just going to, whoa, she's going to panic. And at this point, she's like, Mummy, hold me! Because <laughs> she just couldn't, she was like, oh no, we've lost the dog. And I'm like, we don't have time, we need to find the dog. So I'm like, let's go. So we're running, we run out of the house, we run through the back door, and we're running down the street, and I'm just like a lunatic, Peppa! Down the street, Peppa! And I'm trying to whistle, but it's not very... Sorry, I'll try and speak when I'm trying not to shout at you. And I'm trying to whistle, but it's not a good whistle. And I'm shouting, I'm shouting. And then it, then it was like, then the anger set in. Grace! Grace! I'm thinking, this child is going to die. 
So we get round the corner. Grace had adopted this I can't hear anything while she was, they were actually like in the dens down the bottom of uh, um, the street where we live. And I'm shouting and I'm shouting and Grace suddenly looks, what? I'm like, that dog's got out. And she, she sort of stood there and went like this. Oh, she's there. And the dog had actually followed them down to the dens and was just mooching about in someone's yard opposite. And Grace was like, Fefe, come on, Fefe. And she'd come and she's like, look, I've got her. And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. And so I took the dog and I was like, do I kill the dog as well? Or do I say, oh, I don't want And Olivia's like, oh. And I'm like, oh, the cake's still in the oven. Let's get back up home. But the reason I tell you this is when we lose something that's precious to us, it's like we'll do anything. And, and there was neighbours coming out in the street because I was shouting so loud. And I just, and, and those of you who know me well will know that I, I, don't, I don't like being the centre of attention. I don't like everyone looking at me. So I'm standing on the stage now, and everyone is doing that. But it's not my cup of tea. I'm quite a quiet person. And so, but I just didn't care. I didn't care that the neighbours were coming out because I wanted my dog back. But that's how God feels. He wants his children back. And we get so consumed with ourselves sometimes that we lose sight of the heart of God that says, I want my child back. And God is, is here on this earth shouting, shouting those children back, calling them home. And what he wants us to do is help him. He wants us to help him by showing his love. He wants us to help him by showing his kindness. So let's look at two things that this woman did when she realized that a coin was missing. Because she didn't just think, oh, I've got to go and do this, I'll find it later. It wasn't that sort of losing something. The first thing it says was this, that she, that she lit a lamp. My next point is light a lamp. Shine a light in those dark places. Shine a light in those dark places of your life that says you've got no worth that says you're no good, that says you're a bad parent, that says you'll never pass your degree, that says you're rubbish at your job, that says nobody loves you. Shine God's light in those places and then see what it says. Because it won't say that anymore. It'll say you are loved, you are valued, you have purpose, you have worth. She shone a light in the darkness of a house. And, you know, at the time, it was probably a small house, and they had very small windows because they didn't really do glass. Unless she was, like, somebody really rich, they didn't do glass, so they didn't have big windows, so it would have been a very dark house. And, and oil for lamps would have been expensive. So she only would have lit a lamp normally, probably at night time, probably at important times. So to light one... It doesn't say it's in the daytime, but it makes you think it probably is. To light one for something like this shows the value of what she was looking for. Are you willing to shine a light for other people? Are you willing to to put effort and to put finance into shining a light for other people? Are you willing to do that? She was. And that is what Jesus is trying to teach us. That people who are lost... Areas of us that are lost, it's worth putting the effort in. It's worth putting the finance in. It's worth putting the time in to bring people back so they're not lost anymore, but they're found. 
light a lamp. Show them the lengths that God would go for, go to to find them. I'm going to read to you from Matthew 15, 5.15, and it says, sorry, Jess, I've missed one out. It says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they set it on a lampstand, and it gives light, and it gives light to everyone in the house. God wants to shine a light in your life. And then once he's done that, and you're shining, he doesn't want you to put yourself under a basket. You are that light. You are that light that God wants to shine. And then when you go to work, and when you speak to people, and when you deal with your own difficulties, he doesn't want you to put that light under a basket, but he wants you to shine. So that you enlighten everything with who God is. Psalm 139 verse 12 says this. and From the New Living Translation. It says, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Can I tell you that even if you've got dark places in you. Even if... You know some people that you feel it's just a dark place. Maybe your workplace feels a dark place. That to God, it's not dark. God sees all. God is in all. And if you allow him to light you up and you take your basket off and say, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going to shine. Then you will shine to those people. You will shine to those dark areas within, your, within yourself. God wants to set you ablaze. And he doesn't want you to hide it away. But he wants you to go and shine your light everywhere you go. Because that's part of the process of being found. The second thing she does is this. It says she sweeps the house. And you know, very often, we can perhaps fall into the thinking of, you know, well, some people, they live their lives a certain way and... You know, they, they, we just should get rid of them. We shouldn't do that. And there's, there's a very famous rabbi in Jewish history, and his name is Rabbi Meir. And he prayed for a long time that sinners would die. And that was his prayer. And he based it um, on Psalm 104. Sorry, Jess, I'm all over the place. On Psalm 104, verse 35. And it says, Let all sinners vanish from the face of the earth. Let the wicked disappear forever. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then suddenly his wife, being a woman of wisdom, corrected him and said, Actually, you've interpreted that wrong. After all the years that you've had to learn to be a rabbi, and it was an awful lot when you were a rabbi, you've actually interpreted the Bible wrong. And she corrected him and said, actually what the Bible is saying is that all sin would vanish from the earth. Not that sinners would, but those sinners would come back home and repent and be born again of God. Do we understand that sometimes we meet people and we just think, whoa, they're too far gone. And God says, no! Pray that their sin would vanish. Let's sweep it clean, sweep away the things that aren't right, and then what is left is something of worth. I don't know about you, but when I first came to God, whoa, I needed some stuff sweeping out of my life. And if Rabbi Mir would have been there, he'd have probably put me in the line for people who needed vanishing from the earth. 
But fortunately, his wife was there instead and said, actually, let's just sweep you clean of all the mess and all the dirt in your life. And God wants to do that for each and every one of us. He wants to sweep us clean. He wants to sweep you clean. Allow him to light a light within you. Allow him to come in by his Holy Spirit and sweep away the dirt and the things. And all they're doing is hiding the fact that there's worth there. The dirt in the woman's house was hiding the fact that there was a coin of worth there. The darkness in the woman's house was hiding the fact that there was a coin of worth there. God wants to light a light in your life. God wants to sweep away the mess in your life. And suddenly, oh, there's worth there. You're worth something. There's something of worth and value in your life. And now you can see it because God's lit a lamp and God swept away the things that were hiding it. And when he does it for us and we realize how far we've come and how messy we were and how dark a place we were and how much we needed sweeping out of us, like when you move your furniture around, when, when you move around for a different time of year and you think, oh, look what's under my settee. That's just me then. I'll clean better. God wants us to realise that in ourselves because when we do, we'll realise when other people look a mess, when other people look like they're in darkness, actually, there's worth there. And it will encourage us to love them. It will encourage us to persevere. It will encourage us to be kind. It will encourage us to invite them. Invite those who you think are in such darkness they would never know God. Invite those who you think are so full of dirt and mess that they would never know God. Because all God wants to do is shine his light, sweep out and say, wow, you have worth. And if we know it for ourselves, then we can recognize it in others. And encourage them to come along. There's empty seats in here this morning. There's space for that person in your life. There's space for that person who you think, no, never them. There's space for that person who you think, oh, they're such a mess. There's space for that person who actually isn't a mess and just seems okay. But they don't know the worth of what God calls them to. There's space in here for them. This week, invite them along. And they may not come. But keep loving them. Keep shining your light in them. Because it's only then they'll see the worth that they are in God. I want to ask you another question. What depths of dirt will you go to to reach others? To bring them to God? And sometimes we think... Oh, that's a mess. That person's a mess. But God wants us to reach out to them. And it might not work, and it might not go as we think or we hope. But God still calls us to reach to them. He still calls us to reach to the lost and the destitute and the hurt and the broken and share the good news that we've had that God loves them. A couple of Christmases ago, we had... um, my mum and dad came and brought us some Christmas cards. And with the Christmas cards, they also gave Paul and myself some money for, for our Christmas presents and said, we'll give it to you early. And then if you want to buy yourself some things, then you can. And we opened the Christmas cards and we put them up and we opened the money and we were really blessed. And a couple of days later, I started thinking, where did I put that envelope with that money in off mum and dad? And, and I'd had to tidy up and 
thrown the envelopes off the cards in the bin. And, and the realisation started to dawn. Oh, have I thrown that envelope that has £100 in it in the bin? Because I don't know where else it is. And so I thought, oh, I'll have a look in the bin. And then I realised I'd emptied the indoor bin and put it in the outdoor bin. And then at this point, I'm like, oh, oh, oh dear, where's this money? So you start looking everywhere else because you're thinking, I don't want it to be in the outdoor bin. So I'm going to look some more in the house and in some clean places. Eventually, I ended up outside in the bin, in the bin bag from in the house that had been tied up. It was interesting. It was a little bit on the gross side, peeling things up one at a time. And then I come across the envelopes amongst everything else. And it was there. It was in the bin. I was like, oh, I found it. I found it. And the relief that came. But, you know, I was willing to go and put my hands in the bin. I'm not good with things like that. And find it because it had worth. People have worth. If each and every one of us is God's son or daughter, that's not just because we're sitting here. Everybody on this earth, no matter what they believe or what they think or how they live their life, they are God's son or daughter. Therefore, they have worth. And if they have worth, then as their brothers and sisters, are we willing to go and stick our hand in the bin where the food's gone and the gross stuff is, and actually go and pull them out and say, come on home. Why don't you come on home to Father? And I'm going to talk about this more next week when we look at the lost son, and I don't want to get into that. But as sons and daughters of God, as brothers and sisters of those out there who don't yet know him, how willing are we? To get them from wherever they are, no matter what it looks like. I think we need to ask ourselves and consider. And the last thing I want to say to you this morning is see the bigger picture. The bigger picture for this woman was that the worth that was in the coin, that she may need that. Whether it was one of these dowry coins or whether it was just part of a monthly income, she needed that money. She would need that money at some point. The bigger picture was whatever that money was going towards buying or a future that it was keeping her safe. That was the bigger picture. That was the bigger picture than just looking for it. The bigger picture is heaven and hell. The bigger picture is that God wants to call us all to his own. God doesn't want people to go to a lost eternity without him. God wants his children to come home and find worth in him. Will you abandon all to look for the lost one? God did when he sent his son. You know, we may be lost ourselves. We may be lost in a sickness. We may be lost in depression. We may be lost in financial difficulties. We may be lost in difficult relationships. But God has done everything to help you be found. God wants to call you home this morning so you would know your true worth. So that you can then do the same for others. 
I just want to read you a story, and it's a true story, and it's from a North American community. And it happens at the time of year, probably this time of year, maybe early into the new year when there was a lot of snow and ice about. And the call came into the small community that that a child had fell through the ice. The kids had been out on the ice and they'd been playing and one of the kids had fallen through the ice of the frozen lake. And so it was obviously quite a usual thing, if, it, if you could say that. The men of the, of the town, they ran out to the ice to go and help. And at the time, a lot of them had been at the village store and the man who owned the store thought, saw how many men were going and thought, no, that's fine, there's plenty of men going. Everything's fine. I, I, can, I can stay here. I can man the store. There's enough men going to help this child. But when the men got to the lake, they realized the child was quite far out and that the ice was actually very thin. And to actually walk on the ice with the weight that they were, it would just crack. So they decided to lie on the ice and spread out as a chain and hold on to one another. And like as a human chain lying down, do you understand what I'm saying? To reach this boy. And so they, they did and they slowly pushed out to him. They pushed the man in front out. The next man got down. They kept pushing each other out, spreading out their weight on the ice. And then the last man got down, spread his weight out, pushed it out. And the call came back. I'm still not by the child. He wasn't close enough to the child to reach him and unfortunately the child went under and as they walked back eventually to the store they wondered how on earth they could tell the man that his child had just died and if he'd have known it was his child surely he would have left the store surely he would have gone from that place to help surely he'd have been the first one out on the ice But he thought, oh, it's okay, someone else can do it. It's okay, there's enough people there doing it. It's okay, there's enough people telling telling everyone about Jesus. It's okay, I don't need to reach out to that person. I know they're friends with someone else who goes to another church. But maybe, maybe just, just you, maybe just that one more, maybe just that one more person who actually says something, is the one who can actually reach and grab. Maybe you may look at somebody and think, you know, that I know loads of people have talked to him about God. What, what difference am I going to make? Well, from that story, you can make all the difference. Don't think that actually other people are doing it, other things are happening. Someone, God will use someone else. No, God is calling me and you to reach those that are lost and far from him and bring them back home. Will you abandon all to look for the lost? We're going to sing a song now. And if the band want to come and join me. And the chorus goes like this. Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. And I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming love of God. God loves you with such a love. He left everything just for you. And he is calling you home. And when you find your worth and value in him, he's asking you, please, Please, won't you go for that one? Won't you go for my brother or my sister? 
And finally, the final thing it says the woman does is she celebrates because she finds that what was lost, the relief that comes when you find something, God wants us to experience that joy that comes when we find those that are lost. And this morning, I want to talk to you on a twofold point that God wants you to understand that He is looking for you in your dark place, in your place that's a mess. He is looking for you and wants to shine a lamp in that place and sweep it clean and say, There's worth in you today. And He wants you to know that.